Welcome to our Panini. This is Saratova Best. We are talking about the sun and the moon, Parshas Vayishlach, um, Tavshin and Base. And the question that we're asking is, right after Yudalit Kislev, um, today is the 15th of the month, 15th of Kislev, what is it? It's definitely a day that denotes the fullness of the Jewish people, the full power, a taste of our full power as it will be in Mashiach times. But the question that we want to ask is, in life, when you get, when you go out there and shine and you express yourself, is it at someone else's expense? Because according to the old uh, competitive model, if you have a shoe store and it's kind of an old-fashioned, you know, with a couple of, you know, not not very sophisticated shoe store. And then, or you have a grocery store and, you know, the refrigerator is taped up and all of that. And then I open up some big, sophisticated supermarket with all of the tech features um, down the block. Is it, so according to the competitive model, so who gets the business? Who gets the shine? Is it you or me? It's one or the other. One store will shut down the other. You can't both be shining. And yet we know that the business model that came into the world in the past 20 years or so, 30 years, is you know the um, cooperative model of um, multi-level marketing. The more I help you shine, the more it helps me shine. This is a, this is a revolutionary model. And it's based on what it says in this sicha. So we're going to look into it. It's a little bit Kabbalistic, but it's pretty amazing. And one more piece to connect to what's going on in world politics. What we're dealing with is, right now in these weeks, the relationship between Yaakov and Esau, the two twin brothers. And, of course, from their birth, the question was, who will rule the other? Who will be in charge? Who will be the Mashpia? Who will be the Makabal? This is the question of Jewish history. And we know that the way it came out looking is that throughout all of history, it looks like Asav is the Mashpia. Asav is in charge. And he tells us what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. As we see in New York, New York State, the governor, Asav, tells us whether we can have education for Jewish children to have yeshivas open or not. This is classical Jewish history, minus the really horrific blood libel stuff and all of that that we had for much of history, or at least for several hundred years. So this is classical Jewish history. Esau thinks he's in charge. Yaakov has to just follow the line. He's, he's, he's the victim. In Yemaisa Mashiach, that switches. Yaakov becomes the full leader of the world, and Esav is happy about it. And says, Yaakov, my younger brother, you are the one who should be running, who should have the leadership in the world. I will follow your jurisdiction. That's the shift that's going to happen, and that's the shift that is happening. So that's also happening in last week's Parsha, and this week's part of that relationship between the two. Where do we see it? Mashpia Makabal. How are we expressing it in this week's Sicha? The sun and the moon. The sun and the moon are 
a paradigm for Esav and Yaakov. Sun is Esav, Yaakov is the moon. As well as, um, in another paradigm, Hashem is the sun and we are the moon. But let's take it in this idea of Esav is the sun and we are the moon. So, um, the question that we ask is, if the mashpia is shining, can the makabal shine? If the teacher is shining, can the student shine at the same time? Nope, classically not. Who's going to talk, you or me? We can't both talk at the same time, can we? That's the old model. In the new model, we can both talk at the same time, and we can both express ourselves at the same time. How do you see that happening? Uh, Technologically, uh, not sure I have an example, but it's there. I just, it's not coming to mind. Um, maybe some kind of online. Oh, well, um, we're all sitting at a Fabrengen and we're all singing a Nigun together. And we're all, our souls are all shining and, and impacting on the world in a, most magnificent way, and it isn't either you sing or I sing. It isn't either your soul affects the world or mine does. We all do it together, and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Is that the way you say it? The collective effect of each one of us singing simultaneously, these nagunim, creates an effect in the world that's way beyond, oh, you sing. No, now I sing. No, now you sing. No, now I sing. No, I want to speak. No, you speak. It's a whole other way. Okay, so let's go into the sikha and see what the sikha says. The sun and the moon are makabal and mashpia. Uh, sorry, the moon and the sun are makabal and mashpia, receiver and giver, student and teacher. The moon has nothing of its own, as it says in the Zaira, etc., it is a receiver. It gets its light from the sun. How does it get its light from the sun? In a way that the hashpa, the influence from the sun, it starts um, in a very small way. The sun is shining at the moon, onto the moon. The moon does not have its own light. The moon is a reflector. If nothing is shining on the moon, the moon is dark completely. It doesn't have its own inner light, supposedly. Let's say it doesn't have its own. In this paradigm, it's, it, I'm not sure if a moon actually has its own inner light, but in this paradigm, it certainly is not shining its own inner light. It receives. It reflects. At first, it just reflects. There's a tiny bit of light coming from the sun, and it hits the moon, and the moon shines. And what do you see? A small, tiny dot of a moon. It's called Mailet Halavana, the birth of the moon. It's just a dot. And every day, this dot of the moon gets bigger and bigger. This moon receives more light every day and appears bigger and bigger. Is it getting bigger and bigger? No, but it's reflecting more light. So the way our eyes pick it up, and see it as reflecting more light is we see it as the size of the moon. Probably not really the size of the moon. It isn't. That's changing. It's the same moon. 
But that's the way our eyes can understand it. We can't see, oh, today it's brighter and brighter and brighter. Our eyes aren't really um, sophisticated enough to be able to see the differences in brightness in the moon or how much the moon is receiving every day more than the day before. So we experience it as the size of the moon. Every day a bigger moon. Until you get to the 15th of the month when you see what's called a full moon. Now, it's always a full moon. Nobody, there's no man in the moon with little pieces, you know, the man in the moon and the cheese or whatever it was, and he's chipping off little pieces of the moon, and then he's adding little pieces. There is no man in the moon doing that stuff. Same moon, but you see it in a certain way. 15th of the month, you see the moon as it really is fully reflecting the light that the sun is setting, send, sending to it. Now they look the same. The moon and the sun, the student and the teacher, look the same. They're both, both out there shining. What's an example of that? A shliach goes out into the world when he is there near his mishaleach, near his Rebbe, who sends him out on the shlichus, he's, he's just receiving. So the light is shining from the one who sent him, and he's just receiving the light. When he goes out to his post, people say, wow, my rabbi, he's so amazing. As the example we use every year, here was a girl, a young girl that we knew, a girl named Shani, and we were in a choir with her, and Chani um, went to Nyepapatras. I think so. I think that's where she is on Shlichus. And I remember meeting her on Kingston Avenue, and she was buying baking pans and pots and all kinds of stuff because she was moving to Russia to go on Shlichus to open a Chabad house, and there she needed to buy all her stuff in New York. And I remember that time. It wasn't so long ago. And so really she was sent by the Rebbe and, you know, the Rebbe and really, and the Rebbe Tzinchana in a way, right? Rebbe Tzinchana is the mother of the one who sent her. So she was being sent on some level by Rebbe Tzinchana. Now, what do they call her? How many years later is it now? 30 years later? 35 years? Wow. My goodness. 35 years later? They call her Rebetzin Chana over there in her, where she is. And a lot of those people are, you know, fairly unsophisticated. They don't know much the difference between Rebetzin Chana and little Chani who grew up and is now called Rebetzin Chana over there. She's been at her post reflecting the light of the one who sent her for so many years. She's, she's really a full moon. And they call her Rebbe Tzinchana. They don't know the difference. So that's when you look at the moon on the 15th and you say, wow, is that the sun or the moon? Sure looks the same. Which one's the giver? Which one's the receiver? I don't know. They're, they're shining equally. That's the reality that's going to be in Yemaisa Mashiach. They will both be shining equally. Hmm. What's that telling us? That Mashiach times no one will be a receiver. No one will teach anyone else. We will all be 
able to equally know God and know truth. It will be on a different frequency. It won't be my teacher, you're the teacher, I'm the student, I'm the teacher, you're the student. It will move to the higher frequency. 15th of the month is a taste of that higher frequency. But, so let's look into this. When you come to the 15th of the month and you see the full moon, the truth is the moon is still a moon. We're not sure. We aren't sure, but it's still a moon. It's still a receiver. And if it's still a receiver, that's not the fullness of the moon as it becomes the sun when they will be equal. In other words, right now, today, you know, last night was the full moon. Forgot to look outside. We can look tonight. This full moon is not the same as, in a way, the full moon in Mashiach times. Because then the moon and the sun will really be equal partners. Now, they're not. They look like it for a few moments, but still the moon is still a receiver. But then in the future, it will be, as it says in Yeshaya, <coughs> and the light of the moon will be like the light of the sun. You'll have two luminaries. So when the the light of the moon receives from the sun, right? This here's the moon. It's reflecting off the sun. And when that happens, um, you have the fullness. You have a very great fullness. There's something very special about this moon looking as full as the sun. How do you have that? How do you have a little moon that doesn't even have any light of its own looking like the light of its own? I mean, we all see examples of that in the world, and it's actually quite frustrating. Um, you know, because of technology, and, and again, not because because of this, but through technology, you have all these people who don't know what they're doing or have no skill and no, you know, no talent, no skill, no expertise, no right in a way to put themselves out there. And they're really good marketers. So they have amazing websites, amazing blogs. You know, they pay somebody, let's say, to build them a fantastic website and a uh, a profile on Instagram and, 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 and. They pay somebody to do all their PR and you think, wow, they are amazing. And they're not amazing. They're just amazing at how it they promote themselves to look amazing. We've all had experiences with people like that. Well, I, I'm not going to give examples, but we had to hire a certain professional two years ago that had uh, people said, wow, she's amazing because they had seen her, all her posts on Instagram. So she was hired for a certain job and she was very not good at the job. So how did everybody think she's amazing? What do you mean? All her Instagram posts made it seem as if she's amazing. But she was really not amazing at all. She wasn't good at what she did at all. So we've all experienced that. That is that the moon, which doesn't even have a light of its own, it has no expertise and no ability and it has nothing much. 
it gets to look like the sun. The sun is really a luminary, and the moon is like, I don't really have my own light, but it's okay. With, with the right PR, no one will know the difference. That's essentially it. That's the, the full moon being used in the negative way. But we see that the ability today to say, they don't call me America's foremost uh, personal trainer for nothing. Who's they? Who calls you that? Uh, who has? Nobody's going to question it. I just have to put it all over my website and my Instagram account and my LinkedIn and all that other. They don't call me America's foremost personal coach for nothing. <laughs> and everybody thinks I am America's foremost personal coach. That's the that derives from the ability that the, of that derives from the energy of the fifteenth of the month. Again, that's the negative side of it. That's when it's used in an unholy way. But now let's go back to its holy way. It looks as luminous as the sun. And you don't know the difference. You don't know which one is the real luminary has light from within and which just reflects the light. Both look pretty good to me. That's the 15th. How is it that they can both look as luminous as each other? How does this moon without its own light get to look as luminous as the sun? Through a revelation of a level that's higher than both of them, that puts a crown on both of them. It just, it's, it's higher than both of them. And it can make them look, uh, look the same. I mean, quite honestly, if you want to say it in everyday terms, um, you and I both, uh, y- you know, let's say, so Mary Jane took a weekend course in um, personal training and, and her friend, uh, studied it for 10 years and worked at it for 10 years. But Mary Jane and her friend, Mary Jane and, and Sally, both uh, decided to pay the $10,000 marketer, uh, a branding expert, and she branded them equally. She did all the PR and all of that stuff. Neither of them knew how to do it. But the branding expert knows how to brand you. So there was a branding expert that was higher than Mary Jane and higher than Sally, has talents and works from higher than both of them and can make them look equally competent. That's what she can do. So Lahavdil, why am I saying this? This derives from the fact that there's a crown higher than the, the, the sun and higher than the moon, higher than the Mushbi and the Makabo. And that's in the holy realm. That's not in getting away with murder in the world. That's in goodness. And this completion is expressed, this whole thing is expressed in the relationship between the moon and the sun in the second half of the month. So, here's the question. How is this possible? We're not, I mean, we're not going to discuss, you know, how can it be misused. But how, how is it possible in a good way? The fact is that this relationship, moon and sun, is crucial. It's everything. So how is this possible? The answer is the reason for the change between the first half of the month and the second, what is the change? What do you mean? First half of the month, 
the moon is very small. It's just a dot, and it gets bigger every day. Then you have the full moon. Then the moon gets smaller every day in the second half of the month. Why? Why does it get smaller? Because in the second half of the month, sorry, in the first half of the month, the moon is moving away from the sun. You know, if you dig out your old science book from 1962 that you have somewhere in a drawer in the basement, and you look at the little diagrams, you'll see. For the moon to shine, it has to move away from the sun. And the more it moves away from the sun, the bigger, the stronger, the more luminous it gets. In order for you to shine, you actually have to move away from your mushbia, from your mentor. When you're receiving from your mentor, you're in a mode of um, emptiness. And then your mentor says, go out and shine. By definition, you have to leave the presence of your mentor. You can't shine in the presence of your mentor. It's, it's an oxymoron. So you have to, and they tell you, go out there, go to Nyepetetrap, and leave, you know, leave the presence of Rebbe Tzimchana and go out, little Khani, leave the presence of Rebbe Tzimchana, go out and move to Nyepetetrap and start to shine. And one day they'll call you Rebbe Tzimchana, and that's good. That's fine. That's good. That's in a way Rebbe Tzimchana sending her shluchim and extending her influence to Nyepetetrap. I can't say the word so easily. But little Chani has to move away from Rebbe Tzimchana. And the further away she gets, or in this case, the further away the moon gets from the sun, the, the stronger the light of the moon looks and is. Why? Because, now here we get a little bit Kabbalistic, but don't get scared. Because the relationship between the Mashpia and the Makabal, between the sun and the moon, is in a way that when the moon is close to its Mashpia, to the sun, it can't shine. By definition, it has to be in a posture of bittal, nullified, to receive. If you're the student... In order to fully get what you're receiving, you have to nullify yourself. Those people who used to stand um, at Febrengans, who officially had the job as Chayzrim, hours and hours on Shabbos of the Rebbe saying Sichas, of course with no microphone, and there was a whole group of them. One of them was, one of them, of the many, was Rabbi Jacobson, Y.Y. Jacobson, and he was a bucker. He was, you know, uh, a teenager. He had a, he has a photographic memory. Can I hear? Plus, plus. Um, every Heiser said, you couldn't be thinking. You could just put yourself into sponge mode, just absorb. Just take in, take in, take in, take in. Take. You couldn't be making associations. As soon as you do that, you lose it. You just have to Take in what, whatever that would feel like. I can't even imagine. Just keep taking in hours and hours and hours of sikhahs. Again, they were given special kaychahs and they were given special talents from above. And not just, not everybody could do that. You know, we could retain about three minutes of stuff. But they were given special brachas to retain, you know, seven hours of, of, of deep Kabbalistic stuff that was being said. 
And then at the end of Shabbos, they would all get together and they would start to write down together, put together everything that they had all heard and piece together everything that had been said. And then they would give those, the written, written sikhas, everything written down to the Rebbe and the Rebbe would edit some of them. So to be the, to receive, you have to completely empty yourself. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So this moon, so the student, sorry, the student has to totally empty himself to receive from the teacher. Otherwise, nothing will go into his head. It's just a biological, scientific fact. That's the way it works. The, mush, the, the sponge has to be totally squeezed out. Um, the, the, the sponge has to be completely uh, emptied of all water in order to pick up all the water that's spilled all over the counter. You have to squeeze it so that it's an empty sponge, and now it will pick up the water that's spilled all over the counter. That's it. It's the receiver. So um, the moon needs to be completely empty, invisible, to receive from the sun. How is it invisible? The moment before Rosh Chaydish, all you see, you see no moon that night. No moon. Just the sun the whole day. And you might see the sun, I guess you see the sun in the sky. You don't see the moon. It's behind the sun. It's in a posture of, it's completely nullified to the sun. In those moments. And so, and then as we said, then it has to start to move away from its mashbiya from the sun, and it starts to shine. What is it shining? It's shining the light that it's receiving from its from its teacher, from the sun, from its mashbiya. Okay, now here's where we get catalytic. So, fasten your seatbelts. It's only about five minutes, but this is the fun part. So the closeness of the moon to the sun in the second half of the month, why does that? Remember we said first half of the moon, sorry, first half of the month, the moon starts to shine, but it has to move away in order to shine. It moves further and further. Every day it moves further away, it shines more. Good. Still it's shining fully. Good. Now let's talk about the second half of the month. The moon starts to move closer back to the sun goes in a uh, a circle it goes in a uh, forget the technical word everybody knows it um uh, wow okay anyway you know it goes in a orbit so after the 15th of the month starting tomorrow the moon starts to move on its path back towards the sun so it's going to get smaller. Remember, when it when it reaches the sun, you don't see it at all. So as it's on its way back to the sun, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It's shining less and less and less. Why? Why did Hashem make it this way? Is it because the moon needs to be renewed? There needs to be a new union between the Mashpi and the Makabal, a new union between the sun and the moon. 
In other words, just watch this. You know, here you have this perfect union of sun and moon. Then the sun says to the moon, go out and shine. Moon goes out to shine, gets bigger every day, keeps moving away. Keep Go further, 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 go further, 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 further. Till the sun is shining, the moon is shining fully. And the sun says, good for you. I told you, go out and shine. Okay, now come back. Moon starts to come back, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. For what purpose? When it finally gets back to the sun, they're going to have a higher level union than they did before. You were outshining. That's good. I wanted you to shine. Now, the fo- before the focus was on you going out to shine at the expense of our closeness. It's true. Now what I want is that we should be close again. But it will be a, a, a higher level of closeness, a higher level of union. Because you've been shining. So it's a different thing. I mean, let's just think about it in any kind of relationship. There's one where, you know, two people or two, two, two people are like, yeah, perfect, you know, two business partners. Yeah, well, every one of us has seen, you know, you would see these singers or these, these groups and, and, um, you know, a million groups, these, these, these musical groups, and they were an amazing group, or it was a duo, two guys playing guitar and singing together, and they were so popular, or a group of four, and they were so popular. And then, um, they got to the point where it didn't work anymore. They got to the point where they, they all split up, everybody goes through it, and each one went out on his own. So let's say it's two guys, they sing together. Everybody loves them. It's amazing. One day, they split up. He becomes, he goes out and becomes a whole performer on his own, and the other one goes out and becomes, and they, one starts to shine, and the other one starts to shine. One day, 30 years later, they get back together. You know, they, it's very popular. Like, for the first time in 50 years, ladies and gentlemen, we're bringing together these two, remember the days when these the duo used to sing together? Well, we're bringing them back on the stage together again. It's a big chiddush, and everybody's excited. And to see them playing together, everybody's going wild. They'll pay $1,000 for the tickets to see these two people play again. Nobody's seen them play music together for 50 years. Wow, wow, wow. It's incredible. Simon and Garfunkel. When's the last time they were even playing together? 50 years ago. Amazing. So how much would you pay for a ticket to hear Simon and Garfunkel playing together on stage? Right? A lot. There's something about their union, now that they've been separate, that's much more amazing than the way it was at the beginning, you know, in the olden days when it was Simon and Garfunkel. You know, Simon and Garfunkel revisited is, wow, if I would have paid $100 to see them then, I'll pay $1,000 to see Simon and Garfunkel revisited. So um, the moon and the sun revisited, in, you know, in a union, wow, that's amazing. So is that why the moon starts to come back? I'm sorry that I'm jumping from showbiz to Kabbalistic stuff and back and forth, but it's the only what should I do? That's my style. So now let's go back to the Kabbalistic. 
part. That's why some people love it and some people go crazy. Like, is she talking Kabbalah or is she talking uh, show business? You know, we, we can never figure out when she switched. Okay, I'm switching, folks. Let's go back to talking about Kabbalistic things. Why is the moon moving back to the sun? To have a deeper union? Yeah. A whole brand new type of union that it couldn't have had before? Yeah. Must be a macabre. Yeah. And birth of something brand new? Yeah. Absolutely. Is that why the moon moves back to the sun? Definitely. Is that the only reason? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not the only reason. And not only that, you know, where do we see it? Um, as we said, the moon gets smaller and smaller until it's totally empty. Great. A new, brand new union. Never seen it before. Yep, 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 yep. All, all correct. Is that the only reason? No. Then what's the real reason that the moon moves back to the sun and gets smaller every day in the second half of the month? The real reason is... The real reason is so that the moon, the student, should receive hashpa, an influence, much higher than it was able to receive before. Whatever this student, this moon, could receive from the sun before, it was a certain amount. Now that it's been outshining on its own and it's moving back to be with the sun, there it can receive hashpa from the sun, from the from its mashpia, in a way that it couldn't before. Okay. So what's really going on? What do you mean? The moon's coming back to the sun and they're going to be in a union and now you're going to have an even more amazing moon the next month. Right. That's it. Well, there's something bigger than all of that. The closeness to the etzim. The moon gets small and goes back to home base to its sun in order that it's getting close to the essence, the essence, which is higher than both the sun and the moon. How do you see it? The moon's getting smaller. Because light is revelation from the essence. But the etzim is concealed. This is Kabbalistic. When you see light from the moon, that revealed light. But there's something better than revealed light. The essence of something. The essence you cannot see. It's not like all this light that you can see. The essence of something you cannot, cannot see. It's concealed. It's higher than you can see. And all you get from it, from this essence of everything, essence of everything, is a ray of light. And therefore, when the light, when the moon gets smaller every single day, it's getting closer to the essence, which is more powerful than its light. It's getting closer to the essence. The whole point is getting close 
to the essence. And so, um, and through this, the moon becomes like the sun and one crown for both of them. Okay, so now we begin the answer. It's a very exciting answer. Fasten your seatbelt. It's really quite an amazing answer. And before we say the answer, you know, what's really happening with the sun and the moon? Remember, this is really, on a personal level, what's, ha- what's happening in, with us in terms of giver and receiver, mashti and makabo? Uh, remember the days when you were either a leader or a follower uh, or you were a giver or a receiver. Those were the days throughout all of history. And now we're at a point where the, the Rebbe says that everybody should be a mashpia and a makabal, a leader and a follower, a giver and a receiver, a teacher and a student, everyone. Which means whether we're constantly changing roles back and forth or whatever, the, the, the leader is leading, but the leader receives from somebody to whom he's a student. Vice versa. The teacher is always teaching, but the teacher is always a, a student to someone higher than him. And, and, and both of them are students to the essence of all things, however you define the essence of all things. So let's just say it like this before I give the, the, the Sikha answer. I think we would all agree that no one 50 years ago no one would have ever imagined, um, dreamt up multi-level marketing. It's just a whole other way of doing, of doing things. No one, people, when we always lived with a competitive model, either you have a shoe store or I have a shoe store, and one is going to take the business away from the other. That, that, that was the normal comp- competitive model. Um, whoever dreamt up multi-level marketing, um, they could see that. I never would have been able to predict it. A, a frequency in which the more, you know, the, the, the more successful my store is, the more it makes your store successful and we each make each, each other more successful by having more success. The, co- the collaborative model. It's such a completely different frequency. As I say, I could never have pictured it. So that's what we're going, when we're talking about the sun and the moon, or the the sun and the moon having to both reach the essence of all things, Hashem's essence, let's say it like this in modern day language. In order to create a completely different model of living, not just a little better than what was before, but a completely different model of living, you know, what do they say? What are they working towards these days? In, in politically, the great reset. In order to have the, the problem with the great reset is what they plan to achieve after the great reset is not moral, not Torahic, and not ethical. But they're on to the idea of a great reset. Yes. In order to have a reset, a great reset, where everything is done in a radically different way, you need to both of you both the, the giver and the receiver, the teacher and the student, the leader and the follower, you need to both go together to a place, an energy, where you are both 
um, emptied of everything you ever knew. Let's say it like that. Let's let's make it up. So the leader and the follower both realize they need to move to a higher frequency. Imagine that. They both go together to the leader, you know, they both are to to a place where um, they forget everything they ever knew. Both of them. The leader forgets he's a leader. The follower forgets he's a follower. And they forget how to do things. And they start from zero. And then the higher power is able to infuse in each of them the ability to upgrade to a completely different frequency. Now, that sounds very fancy. That's why people, not just Jewish people, non-Jewish people, went to the Rebbe for dollars. They wanted a reset. They walked in as a whom they knew to themselves to be and came for a reset. They stepped in front of the Rebbe, received a dollar, got a bracha, and walked away having been emptied of their own their old reality and um, being given the possibility of a new reality. Yeah, so that's both the leaders. Some very, very big leaders came to the Rebbe, and some very, very simple people came to the Rebbe. And you see it on all the videos, you know, heads of, you name it. And also very, 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 very simple people came to the Rebbe. Equally, it wasn't, you know, all in the same day, and sometimes in the same line. Just depends where you happen to fall in in line. Just watch the videos. It's really interesting. So the question is, why? Why is it important? Why is it important? Because, because Tyrus says that the sun and the moon, the student and the teacher, in Mashiach times, will shine equally. There will no longer be teacher-student. Must be in the Kabul. Everyone will assist each other, and everyone will know Hashem in his own way. It's a whole other way. So watch this. Okay. I'm going to do the little Kabbalistic part, not, not little, and then we'll see how it, what it means for everyday life. There's a general principle that the essence of something is concealed. You don't see it. And the light of something is revealed. What does that mean? I see how you look. I see your revelation. I don't see your essence. I don't know what your essence is. It's hidden. I don't know your essence. All I know is how you look. Um, your, your light is revealed to me. Your essence? I have no idea what it is. Okay. Now, you don't know how you look. If you don't have a mirror, you have to ask somebody else, is my mascara smudged? Or why do you have to ask somebody else? Because you don't know how you look without a mirror. What you do know is what your essence is. You're in touch with it. You may not know how to verbalize it, but you're in touch with your essence. You're not in touch with your revelation, how you look. So, there's a general principle. The revelation is visible. 
The essence is invisible. Again, I'll say it again. The revelation is visible. How something looks, that's visible. The essence of something, it's invisible. The essence of something has no color, no taste, no flavor, no visibility. It's invisible. That's the way we understood Torah and truth and all of this for all the generations. The essence of something is invisible. You can only see how it looks, but you can't see how it really is. Meaning, if I ask you at a party, so what do you do? You say, oh, I'm the editor of Women's Power magazine. Oh, well, all you told me is what you do. So if I say, no, but who are you really? I don't know. Who am I really? What? What? Why do I have to ask you? I can't see it. All I can see is how you look. How you want to show yourself to the world. Okay. So this principle that the essence of something is invisible, that only applies if there are two separate people. What, what I just said. Because you can't receive uh, all, all, all that can be visible from the essence is a little ray. That's why it's called light. It's just a little ray of what's really going on. So what do I see? Hi, what's your name? What do you do? <clears throat> Editor of Women's Power magazine. I see one little tiny piece of your life. You edit a magazine. There are lots of other parts to your life. All I see is one little part. And maybe I see that you uh, like to wear very high heels. Okay. I don't see much. I see little pieces, little rays of your essence. That's what's called light. Your essence is dark for me. Don't see it at all. Um, now, when it comes to the essence, your essence is not dark for you. That's all you have. All you have is your essence. You don't know how you look. All I have is my essence. I don't know how I look. So, why does the moon... Now, let's go back to the moon and the sun. Why does the moon have to decrease in its light? It's getting close to the essence. That's as long... Why? The moon has to... Stop shining to get close to the essence. We just said. Because once you're in the essence, there's no light. Again, once you're in the essence of something, you see nothing. There's no light. So the moon says, I'm trying to go to the place of essence. Well, if I come in with all this light, I'm not going to belong there. It's not going to work. The essence is a place where you see no visible light. I can't be shining. You know, I mean, Lahabdo. Um... You know, every in Shul and, and uh, let's say Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, you know, it's those, Yom Kippur, those long Shmona Esrays, and everybody's standing, and the the repetition of the Shmona Esrei is very long, and then in the middle they, no, this is on Rosh Hashanah, in the middle they blow Shifer a number of times. These, they're very long Shmona Esrays and very long repetitions, etc. Or, or, sorry, no, not the repetition, just very long Shmona Esrei. So, and it's always the case, you know, somebody you know, jump, pops into show, you know, opens the door like, hi, everybody, and they're all in this jolly mood and everybody's quiet. 
everybody's nullified themselves to Hashem. Everybody's completely silent. Everybody's in hopefully a as deep as they can connection to Hashem, and nobody's talking, and nobody's. And this is like, uh, what time is going to be? What kind of shofar blowing going to be? Nobody's answering, and they're blabbing away, and they're all you know, you know, bouncing around in the shul, and no one's responding to them. Why? Don't come in. We're all in an essence mode now. Don't come in here with all your bubbly light and start bouncing around and asking all these cute, curious questions. This is not the place right now. We're all nullifying ourselves to something greater. This is not a place for visible light now and chatty conversations. Nobody's chatty. Everybody's silent. So when we're in the essence energy, nobody's shining light. So the moon says, oh, I just finished shining fully. It's 15th of the month. I was shining fully. Now I'm going to get close to the essence. Oh, well, I already know from last month. When you shine, when you arrive there with all your, this visible light, they're like, shh, 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 It's a silent place. This is not a place to show up with all this visible light. So the moon says, hmm. Better decrease my light. Got to show up there in the same energy that they're all in over there in the essence. Silent. Receptive. Blank. That's why the moon's light gets smaller and smaller as it's getting close to its mashpia. It can't receive from the essence unless it reduces light. But, now watch this. You ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Okay, what did that say? What happens when the moon, the student, unifies with the teacher? The makabel unifies with the mashpia. They become one piece. There's no longer a separate sun and separate moon. They become one piece, one unit. Then all these rules change. There's no longer... So who's the Mashpi and who's the Makabal? We're just a unit. There's no Mashpi and Makabal in this. We're just a unit. They're both the same. The light of the moon is the light of the sun. Now, remember this. I sense my essence, but I don't know how I look. You sense your essence, but you don't know how you look. If we become one unit, we each sense our essence. We have the, we have the advantage of both. I know how you look. You know how I look. I feel I experience my essence. You experience your essence. So we unify and become one piece. So now we're both in touch with our essence and how we appear and how we're revealed, both at the same time. In plain language, that means if we unify, then you can be shining 
and you can be in a union with me all at the same time. It's no longer either or. Or, well, okay, let's say that in relationship terms. So if classically, you know, I'm the leader, you're the follower. I'm going to shine and you're going to, you're going to not shine. And if you try to shine, then you're going to outshine me. That's the competitive model. But there's a, there's a frequency at which we can both be shining and we can both be totally buckled to each other, nullified to each other. Nullified to, not each other, to the union. We're not nullified to each other. We're nullified to the union of our energies. We're nullified to the essence of Hashem. At that level, we're both shining and we're both nullified. That's the difference. And I'll say more about it in a second, how it devolves in practical terms in terms of relationships today, but let's just do one more little piece. Um, so this Oh, we said this. So from that we understand um, that classically the light of the moon has to decrease in order to get close to the Etham as long as they remain, the moon and sun remain separate entities. Because the moon cannot receive from, cannot receive. When they become one unit, Mashpia Makabal, become one unit. Then, the essence is no longer hidden, it's also revealed. We're in touch with our essence, and we're in touch with our revelation. In practical terms, it means the essence is now revealed. All of history, we understood through Panini Satera, that the essence of something cannot be seen. Now we understand, or now we've moved to a point in history where, at which the essence of something can actually be visible. How? Through union, through unity. So if the moon is getting smaller in the second half of the month, what's happening is, why is the moon, moon's light diminishing? It's just... The moon's light is not diminishing. It's just diminishing in the type of light because it's getting close to the essence, but not diminishing in the revelation. Again, we're going to see for Hanukkah what's happening. I'm going to give the example one second. And therefore, the days of the moon, the months go up. Okay, I'm going to give an example and then I'm going to end it off with speaking about relationships. Remember in the olden days, maybe people still do it, you would buy tickets for a concert or you would stand in line to buy tickets for a concert and um, you would stand in line for hours. You know, okay, that's what people did. I guess some people still do it. So you come to the theater, you want to hear a concert. You want to hear a Avram um, Fried concert. So you arrive an hour before. And you see, oh my goodness, 
Oy vey. The, the, the people are standing in line all the way down the block. That's crazy. I don't want to stand outside in the cold all the way down the block. I'll come back later. You come back later, they're standing down two blocks. Later, three blocks, four blocks, five blocks. The line is getting longer and longer. Today, you know, just to get into a store, right? You know, you wonder, uh, oh, I went to Whole Foods. Why is there a line around the block just to get into Whole Foods? How amazing is it, right? So we're used to that idea, standing in line outside, social distance, six feet apart, just to get into the store to buy a few organic lemons, <laughs> right? So, wow, boy, that's a popular store. Let's go back to Avram Fried. Wow, what do you conclude? Wow, he's really popular. His light is shining. His light is shining. He's so popular. His light is really shining. Everybody realizes how amazing he is. An hour later, boy, his light is shining even more. People around two blocks. Next hour, his light is shining even more. Wow, he's so popular. So you see his light shining. And then, so you come back an hour later, there's no one inside. There's no one left outside. You say, oh, I guess his light stopped shining. Nobody really is interested in him anymore. His light stopped shining. I guess people gave up and said, well, it wasn't worth it. Nobody's standing outside. You don't see his visit. You don't see, wow, how sh- luminous he is and how much people, how popular he is. What do you not know? Everybody's inside. And his light is, he's even more popular than before. And everybody's really enjoying his concert. And they're clapping and singing and doing all that stuff. They're even happier with him now indoors than they were outdoors. So what happened? His popularity switched to a different frequency, a different way of seeing it. So his light didn't go down. His light is actually increasing, but in a different way, in a different place. That's what the second half of the month is about. And we're not going to really focus on it because when it comes to Hanukkah, that's hopefully, please God, we'll have time. That's what we're going to focus on what Hanukkah is all about, etc. So what we're going to end off here with saying is the following. We're talking about relationships. In fact, we're talking about, in this case, a marriage, the masculine and the feminine energy. Uh, just heard a lecture the other day. Oh, yeah, Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson speaking about marriage. He said, the difference now, you know, many differences is Women are much more accomplished. Women are much more learned. Women are much more educated. Women are much more determined to achieve, etc., etc., etc. Women are much more opinionated, etc., etc. The receiver, the classical receiver, is no longer willing to say, oh, wow, whatever you say is amazing. You know, I don't know. Gee, I really don't know whether I should... You know, should I buy a trampoline? Is that a good exercise thing? I'll ask my husband. He'll tell me what to do. I've actually met people like that. I said, why don't you buy, instead of going to the gym, why don't you buy a little rebounder and you'll really get to take care of your blood pressure? And he said, oh, 
my husband says that he doesn't approve. I'm like, wow, good for you. <laughs> Very nice. Like, you know, you're one of a kind. <laughs> my husband said he does not agree. So she just doesn't buy it. Beautiful. That's a more classical classical way. Very nice. Very, very nice. The classical way. But now most women like, you know, I hear you, but to tell you the truth, I did the research and, you know, with all due respect, you're a great guy, but I um, I think it's, uh, according to the research, it's a good idea to do rebounding. You know, let's, let's, let's just figure out a place to put it so that, you know, it, it works for both of us. So here's the thing. Women are shining now. Remember, here's what we want to focus on. In the relationship, in the marriage between the Rebbe and the Rebbetzin, if we were to go back, and this is, this is having to do with what we spoke about yesterday, if we were to go back a hundred years and ask ourselves the question, as we're going, a hundred years from now, as we will be going into Yemais and Mashiach, the Nasi Hadar, and his Rebetzin. When will they be married? Because their marriage, just like the, the Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka, the Shidduch of Mashiach Sitenu and, 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 and his queen, that, it's a, it's a general Shidduch. It's a general union that has an impact on all of Klal Yisrael. It's not a private union. It's not a private wedding. It really is a template for the wedding between us as the bride and Hashem as the groom. So the, Reb, the, the wedding of the Reb and the Rebbeton is a general wedding, denoting it's a template for our, our union with Hashem. When will it be? Pick a date. Go back 100 years ago. Pick a date. Guess. According to the principles of Pnei Mizotaris. We would say, well, it's going to for sure be in a month, the month, the wedding month that corresponds to Torah. The wedding month that Torah says. Okay. What does Torah say is a wedding month? Two months. Two times. Sivan, Shavuos, when we have the wedding, Matan Taira, the wedding between us and Hashem. That's Matan Taira. And then there's another Matan Taira. Kislev. Matan Taira, Pnin is a Taira. The deeper part of Taira. Great. So now we know their wedding will probably be either in Sivan, you know, Matan Taira, or Kislev. Matan Taira of Panimis Perfect. And also because of the third month, Matan Taira has to do with third month. Third month from Nisan, third month from Tishrei. Great. Now, which will it be at the end of time? When we're speaking about Mashiach Tidkenu, which will it be? The Matan Taira of the external Taira or the deeper internal Taira? Well, what do you think? Mashiach is all about the deeper deeper secrets of Tyra. So it's obviously going to be in the month of the deeper Pneumis of Tyra. Kislev, boom, we got it. Their wedding is going to be in Kislev. Perfect. Which day in Kislev? Well, which day is a template for the perfect union of Chassan and Kala? The perfect union of sun and moon, Mashbi and Makabal, teacher and student. Perfect union is Rosh Chaydesh. Of course, Rosh Chaydesh. Rosh Chaydesh is when 
or Erev Rosh Chodesh, is when the Mashpia and Makabal, the Chassan and Kala, the husband and wife, the, ma- the masculine and the feminine, are in a perfect union. The marriage of Mashiach Tzitzin was about a perfect union. Not a flawed union, not like the rest of us. A perfect union. They're in a complete, perfect, unified harmony. Perfect. We got it. Their wedding is going to be Rosh Chaydish Kislev. Yay, we figured it out. And we were wrong. Their wedding isn't Rosh Chaydish. The Rebbe and the Rebbe and their wedding isn't Rosh Chaydish Kislev. Their wedding is the 14th and the 15th of Kislev. Wait a minute. The 15th of Kislev is when the, 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 the moon is as far away from the sun as it can get. They're very distant. They're very distant from each other. They're, I guess, disconnected. Well, that's not a great marriage. What kind of a day is that? She's out shining. She's over there shining and he's over there shining. That's a marriage? That's not a marriage. That's a business partnership. That's not a marriage. Wait a minute. It doesn't make sense. How could your marriage be on this day when she's out busy shining? Yeah, go out and shine. You know, call me up when you remember my name. What's that about? just doesn't fit. Except what we just learned. A revolutionary concept. As long as the the man and, and woman... The giver and the receiver, the sun and the moon, the mashpi and the makabal are two separate entities. If she's outshining, she has to go, she has to be very distant from him. If they want to be close, she stops shining. If she wants to shine, they have to be distant. Let's say it in simpler language. You want to be close? We can be close. But then you have to stop shining. You want to shine? but then you have to be distant from me. Hmm. Pick. That's the old reality. If you want to shine, you have to move far away from me. That's the old reality. The new reality is that when there's no distinction between you and me, between Mashpia Makabal, there's no distinction between the giver and the receiver, teacher and student. They become one unit, one indistinguishable unit. Then, according to what we've learned, they can both shine equally, fully shine, fully, fully activate their potential, fully manifest their potential, fully shining, and fully in a unity, a complete unity in which they experience that they are just one piece and they're not separate from each other at all. Again, I'll repeat it. The new reality is when we connect to the essence and when we move to a higher Mashiachic frequency, she can be shining fully and he can be shining fully. And yet they can be in a complete union at the same time. They can be Living, they can be, have, be in the energy of Rosh Chaydesh, total union. And the 15th of the month, totally shining, both of them. Because 
they've made a decision. They've moved to a place in which they don't see each other as separate entities. You and I are one piece. You're not what's called a Zula, something outside of me. You are me, I am you. And therefore, you can be shining fully and we can be in a total union. That is the potential that has been created in marriage, in relationships, in Rebbe Chassid, in Hashem and the Jewish people, etc., etc., student, teacher, student, etc., leader, follower. That is the potential that has been created recently in this generation through Hasidus. It puts us in touch with the essence of Hashem, the essence of ourselves, the essence of truth, the essence of Taira. And this new reality becomes possible. We both shine and we're both, and we do not compromise on our unity at all in order to shine. And that's why you see that the Rebbe says, come to me and receive Kaisas and go out and shine. I'm not saying stay here with me. Go out and shine. And when you're out there shining, you and I are shining together. When I say go out and shine, you're out, but you're not really out. We remain one unit. Wherever you, where a chassid goes, the Rebbe goes. Where a Jew goes, Hashem goes. The Shekhinah goes with the Jew wherever he's going to shine. Hashem doesn't say, you know, oh, you're going to shine, so what is it, how does it look for me? Then I, I, no, no, no. We are shining together. We are in one union. One piece out there, moving together, breathing together, thinking, feeling, experiencing together, us and Hashem, us and the Rebbe, teacher, student, etc., sun and moon, shining together. It's a new reality. It's a new way. It's the Mashiach way. It's the way that's expressed through the 14th and 15th of Kisle, the day of the Rebbe's wedding and Rebbe's wedding. This is the new template. This is the Mashiach template. And Hashem says, nothing else will satisfy any of us anymore. And that's why in business we see it. You're successful, I'm successful. The either, either, you, the either or is gone. It doesn't work anymore. It's we do this together and succeed together. That's the miracle of Yudalid Tesvav Kislev. That's the miracle of the times that we're in. And I, I, I feel like Hashem is saying to us, step into that reality. And live in that reality. You and Hashem are one unit. You and the Rebbe are one unit. And go with Him everywhere. Like I saw somewhere, yesterday maybe Chabad.org, I take Hashem with me on my fishing trips and everywhere else. Go fishing with Hashem. Don't go alone. You know, 
when I want to be with Hashem, I go to Shoal, and then I say, Hashem, you know, I, I have to go fishing for a while. I'll meet you again tomorrow after I finish fishing. No, we go fishing together. We do it together. We go as a unit. No more separate, separate entities. So by stepping into that and finding brand new ways at every step of the way to be in that union, that luminous union, that Mashiachtic union, we create miracles, and we create the miracle of the Gula Mitzvah when the Jewish people will be shining fully. And as it says, we'll see it, I think, either in this week's Sikha or next week's Sikha, that we will, so to speak, oh, here we go, the Tachos of Shlemus, the fullness is, when Hashem, when HaKadosh Baruch and Knesset Yisrael become one, so to speak, in the future, that we will not need to receive from Hashem, we won't be two separate entities, because it will be revealed that it will be revealed that we are one unit with Hashem. So that's where we're up to that moment stepping into that reality in which we will not have to receive, but it will be one energy moving to the Gula Mitzvah Vashlema, and it should be in this month, on this Yantas of Zidalitesh of Kislev, find ourselves in the Gula Mitzvah Vashlema immediately now.